We've been in a series entitled Upside Down, and uh, it's been the last couple weeks, and we'll continue on that as we're in the book of 1 Thessalonians, that letter, and I invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, as we continue on, we'll be looking at verses 9 through 16 this morning. And uh, I want to begin really by reminding us of the verse in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, which is kind of why we've entitled this series Upside Down in describing uh, these individuals that were proclaiming and sharing the gospel and coming into Thessalonica. Uh, the leaders there described these men as men who have turned the world upside down that had come there. Uh, they had taken the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaiming the truth of the gospel, and it was transforming lives and really just completely turning upside down, or some might say right side up, the world that they were influencing and that they were finding themselves in. You know, the same should be true for you and I as believers in Christ today, that we, with great confidence and boldness and resolve, should be about the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ and proclaiming it and sharing it. It's interesting because, you know, we have motivators or motivations for much of what we do as we live in this life. Uh, There are certain times that we find ourselves particularly motivated uh, as it comes to doing or completing various tasks or various activities. Uh, Sometimes we might have a particular motivation that stirs within us or gives us the confidence and the courage and the encouragement to do things that are difficult or that are hard to do. Uh, I think in the sports world, they call that bulletin board material. How many of you have ever heard of bulletin board material in the sports world? What that is, is when maybe the opposing team or someone you're going to be facing says something or does something that basically ticks you off. And that serves as a motivator for you to go out there and do your absolute best and really go above and beyond what you could in your own uh, just normal everyday life do. I think back to a couple weeks ago when... I know there's a lot of Cleveland Browns fans in here when the Cleveland Browns were going to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in the divisional game, and one of the Steelers players talked about the Browns players and said that we're really not worried about them. They're just a bunch of gray faces or gray helmets. What he was saying is that they're nobodies. They're just kind of whoever. We don't really care who they are. They're not going to be able to do much. And the Browns went out and did something that no one, well, I shouldn't say no one. Browns fans thought they would. But they went and beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh and not just beat them, but beat them badly when they went there. Bulletin board material. Uh, Bulletin board material. I had someone send me this morning when I was teaching in the senior service. I didn't see it till afterwards, but they sent me a uh, video that was a Buffalo Bills hype video. The Bills are about to play today in the AFC Championship game, in case you didn't know that. There's only four teams left, and Buffalo's one of them. And they're playing the AFC Championship game today, and I'm really rooting for the Bills. And this person sent me a video that's a hype video. And I looked at it, I started laughing. I thought, I can't watch that before I preach because I'm already excited to preach. And then if I get all hyped up about, you know, that too, then I'll be like just through the roof as far as just this excitement level from everything that's going on. And, and we get the picture what a, what a bulletin board material or hype video is. It, it posts or does something to us that motivates us. Was believers in Christ, we have every motivation as it relates to turning this world upside down with the gospel. 
I was trying to think through of some of the phrases and statements that even Jesus made. That the Word of God tells us that if we were to really process what he says or what the Word of God tells us, we should leave from this place today so motivated and excited and through the roof excited to proclaim the good news concerning Jesus Christ that we can't contain it. Jesus making this statement that, Pastor Nathan shared earlier today, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, you think of that statement and all that goes with that and that should cause us as believers to be like, yeah, he will, like excited about what he's going to do and what he's going to accomplish. That the word of God tells us greater is he that is in you than, than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? All of these statements that the Word of God makes and proclaims to us these truths that you're not alone. The power of God is with you. You and I have the life-changing, life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ to proclaim to a lost and dying world. That it's God who will do that work. So many motivations, so many bulletin board materials, if you will, and seeking to turn this world upside down to the glory of God and for Jesus Christ. And I wonder this morning, as those that have come into this place to worship, to open God's word, to listen, how are we doing today in our witness for Jesus Christ? How are we doing in our gospel proclamation, both in our words that we share and speak, but also in our living that we show forth that we follow Christ. Well, this morning I want to look at the passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16, and look at some truths regarding true gospel proclamation. Let's begin in verse 9. Paul's continuing on with his previous line of thinking and instruction. Verse 9, he says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil." We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how like a father with his children we exhorted each of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Verse 13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. As we look this morning at these verses, again, a continuation of Paul's previous thoughts that he was sharing and proclaiming to these believers, I believe there are a number of truths concerning true gospel proclamation for us to see. Number one, true gospel proclamation is not an easy work. True gospel proclamation is not an easy work. And can I also share with you that if you truly are authentically following Jesus Christ, that is not an easy following. It's hard. 
It takes work and effort and work that is not accomplished on our own strength, but the strength that God gives. Paul begins in verse 9 as he's continuing on from his previous thoughts about their example to these believers, about their demonstration and imitation of Christ to these believers. And he says, you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. The focus that Paul and others had in reaching these believers that at that point in time had not yet known Christ was to proclaim to them the gospel of God, to proclaim to them the good news that had come. To let them know of the gospel. And Paul says that when we came to you, you remember our labor and toil. We worked night and day. They were workers, hard workers in their proclamation of the gospel. But not only in their proclamation of the gospel, but in all areas of their lives. In all areas of their living. You see, there's a a work ethic that should follow the believer in Jesus Christ, not only in our diligence and excellence in sharing and proclaiming the gospel, but in our diligence, work, and ethic of work when it comes to all areas that we find ourselves doing as believers in Jesus Christ. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul was going to, I believe, give a little bit more understanding and context of what he's referencing in chapter 2. When he says this, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6-13, he says, We command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly, to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. See, Paul puts, I believe, some understanding in context to what he's referencing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9 when he speaks of the labor and toil, how we were laboring and toiling night and day so not to be a burden to you as we proclaim the gospel of Christ. And Paul is saying, listen, our gospel proclamation and the work of gospel proclamation is hard work, but we work hard not only in our proclamation of the gospel, But we work hard in all areas of our work so as to honor Christ. There's a lot of principles that can be gathered from this as it relates to honoring Jesus Christ in our gospel proclamation, honoring him in our work ethic, honoring him by not being idle, by by being busy about the work of God and not what Paul would just describe as busy bodies. Not being idle or lazy in the things that we do. And much of this has to do with our attitude and perspective about the work that we are doing. Are we doing all things for the glory of God or for ourselves? 
I thought of this as an illustration when I was thinking about the two different perspectives and attitudes of idleness and laziness and a lack of commitment and a lack of resolve in our gospel proclamation and those that are about that work in a way that honors God. I, I, I Probably about a year, year and a half ago, uh, my kids were outside raking leaves. We asked them to get the leaves raked, and I had two of my daughters out there raking leaves. And I won't tell you which two they were, but one of them went out with a great attitude in heart to rake these leaves, and the other just was complaining like you would not believe about having to rake these leaves. And this is the scene. The scene, I took a picture of it actually, is they're, they're side by side and there's leaves all over the place. And my one daughter, she's there with a bag open and she is just going to town, like filling up bags with leaves. Like it was like, it was her job. Like her life depended upon those leaves getting in that bag. I mean, she was going. And I was like, oh, man, that a girl. And my other daughter was like on her knees with a bag and she was like literally like doing like a leaf at a time. And she looked like she was not by any means wanting to be there. She looked like she was like, what do I got to do? Like it was like one of those whiny faces and her actions and demeanor completely showed it as well that that was, that was the least uh, desirable thing on the planet earth for her to do at that moment in time was those leaves. And so when it came time, obviously, we, we, when we ask the kids to do something that's beyond what their normal chores are and things like that, we will tell them, hey, daddy needs you to do this. And listen, uh, you'll be compensated if you do this well. And so it came time for a little bit of compensation. And it's not that I pay them a great deal. They're my kids, so they don't get paid a great deal when they do those things. But I paid the one, and when it came time to pay the other, she got paid too, but not what the other one got paid. And then you can imagine, like, why? Like, why was it? You know, and it was one of those things that, like, because she filled up, like, ten bags, and you did, like, one, right? The, the output was not the same. The attitude wasn't the same. The results greatly varied and were different. I wonder which one are we when it comes to our gospel proclamation today? Which one are you? Are you one that is about that work that is not an easy work? Are you one that is about that work of the gospel? With diligence, resolve, motivation, and even joy and excitement in your work in the gospel? Or are you that other that has every reason on the planet to say no, to keep quiet? And to avoid that work. Which is true. Which is true. See gospel proclamation and gospel work is not an easy work. And so often people think or are fed the lie that it is. Paul tells them in these verses previously. He says brothers verse 1 of chapter 2. You know our coming to you was not in vain. But although we had suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi. As you know. We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Paul and these other apostles, they were about the work of God, the hard work of gospel proclamation, regardless of what would come. And so it should be true of you and I as well. Gospel proclamation is a hard work. It's not easy. It's not easy. But God empowers us, gives us the strength to do it. Number two, true gospel proclamation should be accompanied by true gospel living. Look at verse 10. After telling them that they've worked and toiled late day and night while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God, he says in verse 10, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous 
and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. What do you think of those three words that Paul used to describe his conduct? The conduct that he had before these believers. Holy, righteous, and blameless. Those are pretty incredible words, aren't they? To describe the conduct that they had towards them as they shared with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder, can our daily living be described as holy, blameless, and righteous by those that are watching us? How would they describe our gospel witness? How would they describe our gospel proclamation and the actions that follow that? Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, Jesus uh, is giving the Sermon on the Mount and he's sharing about what's called the Beatitudes here and he shares with them about faithful witness and those that would be faithful to him. And listen to some of the things he uses to describe those that would be faithful to him and following him. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, Jesus is is making something very clear and he's proclaiming openly, clearly, that the ones that are faithful to him and living for him, it will be seen in true gospel living. It will be separate from those that are not his. He'll go on in verse 13 and following, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. Think of that for a moment. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Don't miss what Jesus says here. He says, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and not give glory to you or to me. Not let your light shine that they may praise you or praise me or that you might gain something of this earth or that you might have uh, just this prestige and honor in the sight of men. He says, no, let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is In heaven, let your light shine. There's a kid's song that we we probably have sung. If you were a kid growing up in church, or even if you weren't, you probably heard that song. This little light of mine, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Like You can go higher and higher with that. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. What does that even mean? Why do we even share that or say that? That is the work and the task that God has called every one of us as believers to, to let our light shine. Why? So that our Father in heaven is glorified. True gospel proclamation should be accompanied by true gospel living. In our words, in our actions, in all areas of our lives. How about even on our social media accounts? 
I wonder, truly wonder, if every single one of us had posted on the screen behind me what we have posted on social media over the past two weeks, would it be described as holy, righteous, and blameless? I can't even begin to tell you this weekend how many people I have read that have posted on social media their opinions about the election, about politics, about what's happening or not happening, about what should be going on or not be going on. I can't even begin to describe how much bitterness, evil, resentment, tearing down with a lack of care, a lack of love, a lack of honor and concern for the lost that is being spewed from the mouths of believers today on social media. Who in the world do we think we are as believers that our opinion should matter that much? And it's one thing if it's regarding the word of God and the standard of God's word. But if it's just how you feel as a believer that you want to destroy people, get over yourself. And I speak to myself as well in that. We are too much about ourselves and not a much about Jesus. And every one of us Every one of us is guilty at times of letting and elevating our personal vendettas, our personal emotions, concerns, and opinions above even the word of God. If what you and I say as believers in Jesus Christ on social media does not exalt Christ, get off of it. Because there's never an excuse. Believers in Christ destroying and bashing people who don't know Christ. If you know your Bible, you should know those that do not know Christ will not act like it. They're not going to act like believers. They're not going to value what you value in the Word of God. They can't. And neither would you and I if we didn't have Christ. People need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't need our political opinions. And man, does this fire me up. Because we are so guilty of majoring on things that really shouldn't be things that we should major on. Now again, don't get me wrong. As a believer in Christ, we should stand with an uncompromising stance on the word of God. We should call sin, sin, and evil, evil, and unrighteousness, unrighteousness. And we should stand for righteous living and righteous desires. Absolutely. I'm not talking about a stance on the Word of God. I'm talking about a stance on political opinions, emotions, and preferences that we allow to alienate ourselves from what should be true of gospel living. Statements like, I like your Christ, but not your Christianity. Christians are nothing but hypocrites. This is why I stopped going to church. So many people write. 
And sometimes, sometimes when they write those things, I get it. It's not really any excuse at all. But when we're talking about those that don't know Christ, what do you expect? What do I expect from those that do not have the Spirit of God? The only answer is not a political revolution. It's a spiritual transformation through Jesus. And we have the message of the gospel to share. True gospel proclamation should be accompanied by true gospel living. In Ephesians 4, Paul the Apostle wrote this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, believers, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With Listen to what he says. All humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Number three, true gospel proclamation and living serves as an example for others to follow. Verses 11 and 12. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. True gospel proclamation and living should serve as an example. An example for others to follow. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. So he says here, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Now, obviously, Paul wasn't talking about the gospel not being an offense because he said it will be an offense. And again, I echo this again. If the gospel is an offense, so be it. You and I as believers should not be the offense. Paul said, I would do this, why? For the glory of God, that I might proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. People are watching always your conduct and my conduct as a believer in Christ. A true gospel proclamation and living should serve as a true example for others to follow. Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's not even me anymore that they see living. It's Christ. Be imitators of him. Number four, true gospel proclamation flows from true recognition of the authority of God's word. Let me say that again. True gospel proclamation flows from true recognition of the authority of God's word. This is something I think that should be highlighted and starred in our Bibles in verse 13. Look what he says. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Can I just say something today? Your viewpoint or opinion about the word of God is probably completely on display and seen in our actions. 
If we truly recognize the authority of God's word, God's word isn't simply just a collection of nice wisdom sayings. God's word is not simply another book to us. God's standards are not simply a set of standards that we could or could not abide by. And true gospel proclamation flows from a true recognition of the authority of God's word. And again, this is why I think this should be highlighted, underlined in our Bibles. He says, when you received the word of God, you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. This is the word of God. The eternal word of God. Of God, of which Jesus spoke and said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. We have the word of God, and we either view and understand and recognize the word of God as the authority, or we don't. We either believe it or we don't. We either follow it or we don't. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul said, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Its origin is God, not man. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It is time that as believers in Jesus Christ, we started paying attention to the word of God, not as the words of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. So what God says matters more than what I think. What God has proclaimed matters more than what I feel. What God has established and said in his word matters more than what culture demands. It just matters more what God's word says. And what should follow that is obedience. In Isaiah 55, the prophet Isaiah records for us that the Lord is is speaking of his word and he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Have you ever found yourself reading something in God's word and you're like, I don't think I like that. Have you ever found yourself reading something that God commands or God forbids and say, well, God and I are just going to have to disagree on that issue? That's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem. It's not surprising because he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We are not God. And so as harsh as it sounds, because this sounds harsh, and I'm not trying to like beat people up today, but what we think or feel doesn't really matter when it goes against what God says. Because he matters more because he's God. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. We need to view the word of God as authoritative today. So, 
in reference back to what I shared about our compassion and love and care for the lost, in reference to what I shared about as believers, we should be meek and humble and kind and compassionate. Yes. But we also must always be standing and proclaiming and preaching unapologetically the truth, the unchanging eternal truth of the word of God. That's what we should be known for. True gospel proclamation will flow from a proper perspective and understanding of the word of God. Number five, true gospel proclamation invites and endures persecution. I know this is just an encouraging message this morning. I know you guys are all going to be like, that was awful. Like, true gospel proclamation invites and endures persecution. Jesus talked about this in John 15. He says, if the world hates me, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. In other words, you're in good company. If the world hates you because of your gospel witness, Jesus said, know that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. As believers, we have to understand this, that all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's coming. It's there. It's coming. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul writes, understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. See, there's nothing new under the sun here. God's not surprised by the culture and world we find ourselves living in. He said this would be the case. And yet here we are in Jesus Christ as those that should be living godly in him. He'll go on in verse 10 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy to say, You, however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. True gospel proclamation will invite and endure persecution because of our stance for Jesus Christ. I wonder, are you prepared and ready for that believer in Christ today? Will you and I, as believers, even as the apostles did, welcome that persecution into our lives? Because in doing so, we are glorifying Christ. Number six, true gospel proclamation leads to authentic and lasting life change. True gospel proclamation leads to authentic and lasting life change. By reference for this is chapter one and all of chapter two already in the book of 1 Thessalonians. He describes these believers as imitators of him. He describes these believers as those that have turned to God from idols to worship the one true living God. He describes these believers as the examples that the word of God is sounding forth from that they don't even have to say anything anymore. You see, true gospel proclamation leads to authentic and lasting life change. And that's taken place in your life and my life if we truly know Christ as Savior. These six truths, I believe, 
The true gospel proclamation is not an easy work. True gospel proclamation should be accompanied by true gospel living. True gospel proclamation and living serves as an example for others to follow. It flows from true recognition of the authority of God's word. It invites and endures persecution, and it leads to authentic and lasting life change. I wonder, are those true of your life, my life today, as those that claim to follow Jesus Christ? As we close today, let me just quickly give you these quick six challenges, one after the other. Don't worry, we're not going to be here another hour. Let me just give these to you quick. Number one, get to work. Get to work as a believer in Christ. Maybe that's something we need to put on postcards or not postcards, uh, note cards, postcards. Come on. Note cards, piece of paper, on our mirror, on our dashboard, wherever. Get to work. Get to work. Number two, live it out. Preach the gospel because the gospel is the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But live it out. Preach it, teach it, proclaim it, and live it out. Number three, lead by example. People are watching. Lead them. Be able to proclaim to them, follow me as I follow Christ. Number four, obey the truth. God's word is truth. Obey the truth. Number five, endure the trials because they will come if they're not here yet, they're coming. Endure. Endure and press on as a follower of Jesus Christ. And number six, invest in the lives of others. Paul would say, not only do we share with you the gospel, but our very souls, because you are so dear to us. Invest in others. Get to work. Live it out. Lead by example. Obey the truth. Endure the trials. Invest in others for the glory of God. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the instruction from your word I pray that we would truthfully be about gospel proclamation, Lord, that that is what would flow from our hearts, our minds, our mouths. That's what would be seen in our actions. That would be the motivation of our hearts. Forgive us for the times that we have failed because we are all guilty of failure at times, Lord. But instead, help us take every thought captive. Help us to honor and exalt Christ in our living so that others might look at our lives, ask about the hope that lies within us, and give us the boldness to speak up about that hope. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.